Welcome to Damn Good Movie Memories with your host, Ryan Davis. This podcast is the cure for your long commute and super boring work day. It's Brian Davis, and for this week, we're going to talk about our favorite sports movies. That's right, baseball season is now in full swing, and we're going to have a very special guest, and that is Matt Romig, my buddy who I've worked with for a long time. He also was a writer for Yahoo Sports, and so we're going to have an excellent conversation about our favorite sports movies. But before that, we're going to get into my top 15 favorite sports movies. That's right. Usually we do a top 10 list. This week we're doing top 15 because I love sports. And of course, there's going to be a ton of baseball movies. So let's get ready. Here's the countdown. All right. Number 15 for my favorite sports movies is The Rookie from 2002. Fans of baseball should be interested in The Rookie, which stars Dennis Quaid as an ex-Major League Baseball pitcher named Jim Morris, who defied the odds and became one of the oldest rookies to debut in the majors at the age of 40. The movie is based on Morris's book, which details his journey of being a top prospect who hurts his shoulder, which effectively ended his career before it got going. However, after throwing batting practice to the high school players he coaches, he discovers he's actually throwing harder than he did when he was a 20-year-old prospect. It's really an amazing story, and Quaid does an excellent job in the film. Number 14 is Draft Day from 2014. Now, I've always been a sucker for Kevin Costner's sports movies, and there's been a lot, and you're probably going to get a lot on this list. But Draft Day is an entertaining sports drama starring Costner as the GM of the Cleveland Browns. And I believe the intent of Draft Day was kind of to be the you know football version of Moneyball. And while Draft Day isn't nearly as good as Moneyball, it's definitely worth watching if you enjoy the NFL, and especially the NFL Draft. Now, I've always been fascinated with the behind-the-scenes workings of a sports team and you know how the general manager works. And while I'm sure there were some liberties taken in this film, Draft Day seems fairly realistic about the whole drafting and trading process. The supporting actors in this film are really good, including Jennifer Garner, Dennis Leary, Ellen Burstyn, Chadwick Boseman, and Frank Langella. Number 13 is Eight Men Out from 1988. 
Eight Man Out is one of the best historical baseball movies ever made, and it covers one of the most controversial scandals in sports history. In 1919, eight players on the Chicago White Sox were accused of throwing the World Series for that season. And even though the players were acquitted in the courts, they were still given a lifetime ban from Major League Baseball. And basically, the team, well, it's Chicago, so anything goes, but um, Comiskey, the guy who, who owned the team at the time, really underpaid these guys. These guys didn't make anywhere near the type of money that uh, ballplayers make now. And so, you know, when a guy wins 29 games and he's supposed to be paid a bonus when he wins 30 games and is basically told to, to you know, screw off <laughs> while trying to uh, negotiate his bonus, uh, I can kind of see the player's point in trying trying to want to stick it to their owner. But throwing the World Series, that's kind of sacred. Anyway, there have been many debates about a few of the players regarding if they actually threw any games. Uh, specifically, outfielder Shoeless Joe Jackson, who was played by D.B. Sweeney in the movie. And third baseman Buck Weaver, who was played by uh, John Cusack. Both players performed pretty well during the series. But due to the players hearing about the payoffs of the other six players, they were basically guilty by association. Anyway, any fan of baseball and baseball history should check out this film. Number 12 is A League of Their Own from 1992. A League of Their Own sometimes gets left out when lists of the top baseball movies are created, which is a shame because it's a fabulous movie about a real-life all-women's baseball league that existed during World War II. The movie is so good, I can even tolerate Rosie O'Donnell and Madonna being in it. Tom Hanks and Gina Davis are perfect in their roles and really carry the movie. I mean, who hasn't yelled, there's no crying in baseball at some point in their life after seeing this movie? Also, the scene where John Lovett's character meets Marla Hooch for the first time is absolutely priceless. Say, hey, Evelyn, can I ask you a question? You got a moment? Mm-hmm. Which team do you play for? Well, I- I'm a peach. Well, I was just wondering, because I couldn't figure out why you would throw home when we've got a two-run lead. You let the tying run get on second, and we lost the lead because of you. Now you start using your head. That's not love! That's three feet above your ass! <laughs> Are you crying? No. Are you crying? Oh. Are you crying? <laughs> There's no crying! There's no crying in baseball! Why don't you leave her alone, Jimmy? Oh, you zip it, Doris! Rogers Hornsby was my manager, and he called me a talking pile of pig shit. And that was when my parents drove all the way down from Michigan to see me play the game. And did I cry? No, no. No! No! And you know why? No. Because there's no crying in baseball. There's no crying in baseball! No crying! What's the matter, Jimmy? What? She's crying, sir. I didn't mean to do that. Perhaps you chastise her too vehemently. Good rule of thumb. Treat each of these girls as you would treat your mother. Number 11 is For Love of the Game from 1999. To me, For Love of the Game is one of the most underrated baseball movies. I think for some reason, fans get turned off by the non-baseball part of the story, which involves Kevin Costner's relationship with Kelly Preston. However, I've never thought these scenes actually detract from the movie in any way. The baseball scenes are absolutely tremendous, and Costner does a fabulous job as a starting pitcher. In addition, you get Vin Scully broadcasting the play-by-play, who is arguably the greatest baseball announcer of all time. Listening to Scully call a game is like having the perfect music score as the underbed during a vital scene in a movie.
If you're a baseball fan and you've missed out on this movie the first time, be sure to check it out. And you know, Steve, you get the feeling that Billy Chappell isn't pitching against left-handers, isn't pitching against pinch hitters, he isn't pitching against the Yankees. He's pitching against time. He's pitching against the future, against age, and even when you think about his career, against endings. And tonight, I think he might be able to use that aching old arm one more time to push the sun back up in the sky and give us one more day of summer. Number 10 is The Sandlot from 1993. I absolutely love The Sandlot when it first came out. If my memory serves me correctly, my friends and I took the bus to go see it during spring break in 1993. We all love baseball, and I still do, and couldn't wait to see the movie. We were not disappointed. It's a great family type of movie with funny characters and a terrific story. I think every time we played wiffle ball that summer, someone yelled at least five times during the game, You're killing me, Smalls! And what would a classic baseball movie be without James Earl Jones? You know, I somehow thought he was in a lot more baseball movies than he really was. Turns out it was only The Sandlot, Field of Dreams, and The Bingo Long Traveling All-Stars and Motor Kings. Now that's a title. Number nine is The Bad News Bears from 1976. The reason I love this movie, in addition to loving all things baseball, is that The Bad News Bears is a true product of the 1970s. There was a certain toughness and unapologetic tone to many of the movies of that era. Much like Blazing Saddles, this movie couldn't get made today, or at least not the way it was made in 1976. The language alone would never garner a PG rating. Hell, even if you smoke a cigarette in a movie now, you get a, get a, you get a PG-13 rating. This movie probably be just rated R today just for Walter Matthau's drinking, smoking, and language. In addition to Matthau's excellent performance, the cast of the kids are excellent, especially Tatum O'Neill as the tomboy pitcher. Any kid that has played Little League Baseball will appreciate this movie. And as a purist, stick with the original movie and think of the 2005 remake with Billy Bob Thornton as a strikeout, just like his relationship with Angelina Jolie. Yep, I went there. Thank you, good night, and tip your waitress. Number eight is Slapshot from 1977. To me, this is definitely one of the best hockey movies ever made, probably because I'm not a huge hockey fan, but I absolutely love it because it's completely over the top from everyone in this movie. Uh, Paul Newman is perfect in this role playing a past his prime player and coach, and really anything that with Paul Newman is going to be a winner. Plus, I love his salad dressing. and All the profits go to charity. The guy can do no wrong. The Hanson brothers are three of the best characters ever created for a movie. Completely insane and perfect for the type of hockey that Newman wants his struggling team to play, which is basically like thugs. The team is not going to win on talent, so they become goons. Three of you guys, you put one thing, you're out of this game. Now I run a clean game here. I have any trouble, I'll suspend you. I'm listening to a fucking song! Number seven is The Longest Yard from 1974. I think I was about maybe nine years old when my dad rented this for me for the first time, telling me, telling me that this was the most entertaining football movie ever. 
And at the time, I was a huge football fan and loved the San Francisco 49ers, and especially my hero, Joe Montana. So any sort of football movie was exciting to me. The great part about this movie is the number of ex-NFL stars of the time that appear in the movie, most notably Hall of Famer Ray Nitschke from the Packers and Joe Cap from the Minnesota Vikings. Even Burt Reynolds was a fine athlete. He played football for Florida State. The quick and dirty premise of the movie is that the prisoners organize a football team in order to play against the guards, who are especially brutal against the prisoners. This way, the prisoners can get their shots in, all under the guise of playing football. Obviously, there's way more to the plot, but I'll let you to watch the film if you want to know more. The football scenes are really well done and hilarious. And, of course, my favorite scene is when Burst Reynolds is playing quarterback and just drills Ray Nitschke in the nuts about three times. Work once. Ought to work again, right? right. All right. One, more, one more time. On two. Ready? Third and 32 for the beat machine. Number six for my favorite sports movies is Moneyball from 2011. I had read the book version of Moneyball years before it was adapted into a movie. Being a huge baseball fan and very much interested in the inner workings of a baseball team, the book was a fascinating and in-depth account of Billy Bean and the Oakland A's. When I heard the book was going to be made into a movie, I was a bit apprehensive. Most sports movies have ton of, you know, tons of on-the-field action, not behind-the-scenes business side of the game. However, I was pleasantly surprised about how entertaining the film was, even without wall-to-wall baseball action. So I remember specifically seeing this in the theater with a friend who was only a casual baseball fan and didn't really follow the game as closely as I did. He said he thought the movie was going to be better after that first viewing. I vehemently disagreed with him. And one, he didn't really follow baseball or the A's back in 2002 or 2003 when the movie took place, and therefore didn't have the historical knowledge to reference. Two, he didn't know who half the players were back then. Three, he obviously didn't understand or care to understand the role of a general manager for the team. That's his loss, not mine. So my two favorite scenes is the trade where Billy Bean, played by Brad Pitt, outmaneuvers other general managers and puts on this smoke and mirrors routine to get the player he wants and keep the same player away from the other teams that are interested in him. It's a great cat and mouse game. Also, the pre-draft meeting between the scouts and player personnel is just classic. We're trying to solve a problem here. Like this, you're not, you're not even looking at the problem. We're very aware of the problem. I mean, okay, good. What's the problem? Look, Billy, we all understand what the problem is. We have to okay, replace... Okay, good. What's the problem? The problem is we have to replace three key players in our nope. lineup. What's the problem? Same as it's ever been. We've got to replace these guys with what we have existed. No, what's the problem, Barry? We need... 38 home runs, 120 RBIs, and 47 doubles to replace. The problem we're trying to solve is that there are rich teams and there are poor teams. Then there's 50 feet of crap, and then there's us. It's an unfair game. And now we've been gutted, organ donors for the rich, Boston's taking our kidneys, Yankees are taking our heart, and you guys are sitting around talking the same old good body nonsense like we're selling jeans, like we're looking for Fabio. Think differently. We are the last dog at the bowl. You see what happens to the runt of the litter? 
he dies. Billy, that's a very touching story and everything, but I think we're all very much aware of what we're facing here. You have a lot of experience and wisdom in this room. Now, you need to have a little bit of faith and let us do the job of replacing Giambi. Is there another first baseman like Giambi? No, not really. No. Not and if there was, could we afford him? No. no. Then what the fuck are you talking about, man? If we try to play like the Yankees in here, we will lose to the Yankees out there. Boy, that sounds like fortune cookie wisdom to me, Billy. No, that's just logic. Who's Fabio? It's a shortstop. It's a shortstop from Seattle. All right, now we're getting late into the game. Number five is Major League from 1989. This is arguably the funniest baseball movie ever made. Major League is just non-stop comedy. The main stars are excellent. Tom Berenger, Charlie Sheen, Corbin Burnson, and Rene Russo. However, it's the supporting cast that really puts the movie over the top for me. Wesley Snipes plays Willie Mays Hayes, as the manager liked to say. You may run like Hayes, but you hit like shit. Dennis Haysbert, who plays Pedro Serrano, never drink Joe Boo's rum, of course. And best of all, the legendary announcer Bob Euchre as the Indians play-by-play man. Just a bit outside. This, the great thing about Euchre's character, Harry Doyle, is that none of the lines were scripted. It was all Euchre, all off the cuff. Number four is Hoosiers from 1986. To me, this is easily the best basketball movie ever made. Sorry, Space Jam, you don't win that. What makes this movie so great is that it's loosely based on a real team, and there is a version of uh, on the DVD that includes the actual 1954 championship game. It's really a trip seeing the players take set shots. Gene Hackman is one of the greatest actors of all time. He's one of those actors that I will make a point of seeing a movie just because he's in it. Hackman seems currently very content in retirement, but his legacy and filmography speaks for itself. The other gem of this movie is the powerful performance by Dennis Hopper, who plays the alcoholic father of one of the players. He was nominated for Best Supporting Actor in 1987, but lost out to Michael Caine for Hannah and Her Sisters. All right, number three is the original Rocky from 1976. If you've listened to this podcast, you've you've heard me mention Rocky in many of, of these lists that we've done, uh, mentioned because it's, it's one of the most inspirational movies. Um, it's one of the best underdog movies. It's just really, a, it's got one of the best soundtracks. It just had it all. But sports specifically, it really did wonders for the sport of boxing. Uh, Muhammad Ali was towards the end of his career um, in between 1976 until maybe the mid to late 80s until Mike Tyson came on the scene. People recognized Rocky as like real boxing. Now, we realize that no fight is as um, entertaining and features as many pummeling punches as a Rocky movie. That being said, just the whole ups and downs and and, and the uh, back and forth between Apollo and Rocky Balboa is just amazing. And again, Rocky, the original Rocky especially, stands the test of time as a great sports movie. All right, the next two picks, you, they could interchange, um, but for the sake of continuity, I'm going to have to go in order. But again, I could flip-flop at any time. So number two is Bull Durham from 1988. Uh, Bull Durham is not only one of the greatest baseball movies, but one of the greatest sports movies of all time. And the reason I love Bull Durham so much is the plot does not rely on the one big game to wrap up the story. 
Almost all sports movies have that championship fairy tale type ending. Bull Durham simply doesn't need to rely on conventional endings. And really, the lack of one major game is truly the spirit of baseball. Baseball seasons are daily grinds that last over half the calendar year. That's where Bull Durham nails the real essence of baseball. It's the day in and day out life of a baseball player. Kevin Costner looks and moves like a veteran ball player. Not many actors could pull off the role like Costner does. Susan Sarandon nails, no pun intended, the ballpark Annie role. By the way, am I the only one that thinks Susan Sarandon and Betty Davis look alike? And again, I thought this way before this uh, feud miniseries came out between Betty Davis and Joan Crawford. Anyway, and although that Tim Robbins isn't much of an athlete, he uses that lack of athleticism to his advantage as the quirky Nuke my favorite scene, though, is where Crash teaches Nuke about the art of interviews. It's hilarious because every athlete gives the same tired, cliche-ridden interview. Teach me something new, man. I, I need to learn. Teach me something. Well, you got something to write with? Good. It's time to work on your interviews. My interviews? What do I got to do? You're going to have to learn your cliches. You're going to have to study them. You're going to have to know them. They're your friends. Write this down. We got to play him one day at a time. Got to play. It's pretty boring. Of course it? it's boring. That's the point. Write it down. One day at a time. All right. I'm just happy to be here. Hope I can help the ball club. I know. Write it down. I just want to give it my best shot. And the good Lord willing, things will work out. Alright, it's the bottom of the ninth. It's the final quarter with five seconds to go. Whatever cliche you want to use, you've made it to the number one choice for my favorite all-time sports movie, and it is The Natural from 1984. I think in general, the sport of baseball lends itself to being ideal for film adaptations. There's a certain mythical and poetic charm about baseball that doesn't really exist in other sports. Part of it might be due to baseball being the oldest of American sports. James Earl Jones' character, Terrence Mann, put it best in Field of Dreams. The one constant through all the years Ray has been baseball. America has rolled by like an army of steamrollers. and has been erased like a blackboard, rebuilt and erased again. But baseball has marked the time. This field, this game, it's part of our past. It reminds us of all that was once good, and it could be good again. Robert Redford was really a natural and was perfectly cast for this role. He looked like a ball player and could actually run, hit, and throw very well. My dad and I always loved the same scene, and it wasn't the climactic en ending, even though that's legendary. It's the scene at the State Fair early in the film. Redford is challenged by the Whammer, which is basically a Babe Ruth type of character, that Redford can't strike him out on three pitches. Of course, Redford does, but it's the little skip and fist smack into his palm that Redford does after the whammer swings and misses at the third strike that is just priceless. There's no showboating like today's players. It's a simple, I told you so. It was a perfect move that's so awesome. 
In addition, the musical score in The Natural is amazing. It's been overplayed to death in certain ballparks, but the song during the last scene is a classic. The scene itself just wouldn't have been as powerful without the score in the background. Now, the movie version of The Natural works so well because it's the poetic charm that I mentioned earlier. Interestingly enough, the original novel that the film was loosely based on is completely di different and downright depressing. If you love the movie, do not read the book. You don't hear that line often. And again, the supporting cast with Robert Redford is fabulous. Robert Duvall plays a ruthless sports writer named Max Mercy. Kim Basinger and Glenn Close are excellent as Redford's love interests. And Wilford Brimley is perfectly cast as the crotchety old manager of the New York Knights. All right, so that's my top 15 list. Enjoy this interview with Matt Romig, and we'll be back to wrap this up at the end. All right, I've been trying to get Matt Romig on the podcast for about a month now, I think. We've been dragging it out. Yeah. yeah. And so I've been watching this uh, miniseries, Feud, with uh, Betty Davis and uh, Joan Crawford. Yes. And man, diva-wise, you're, you're right up there. So that's I, I'm glad you're finally on, but man, I didn't think it was going to happen. It's, uh, if I, I do regret, uh, I should have had a third party sending you these emails <laughs> telling me that, or telling you that I couldn't make it. Uh, Mr. Romig is not going to be available this evening. That's right. Uh, Maybe could have picked up the phone and called you as my own publicist, something like that. But you're uh, here finally. Yeah. I got you. That's all that matters. So I've known Matt, God, 15 years now. We we did uh, yeah when you were uh, leading sports for customer care. Uh, eventually, you wrote for Yahoo Sports. So right. you, you were definitely well-versed in sports. So uh, we're going to talk about our favorite sports movies, predominantly your list. And uh, we'll just go back and forth. And I'm curious to see... What I want to talk is. about my favorite sports team, <laughs> fantasy team names of all time. <laughs> we can do that, too. with David Wood's Ghost. That's right. And the, the story behind that, please. So David Wood was a very mediocre player from the mid-1990s that um, joined the Golden State Warriors when they were after the Chris Webber era. So it was, it was some lean years. It was, I think, after they got Gugliotta and... But he had one. He had one season. I believe it was ninety five, ninety six, where the, you know he would just come in and he may make a three every now and then. But he was just hustled nonstop. Uh, one game really pissed off Charles Barkley just because he was on him the whole game. And that and I think they might have beaten the Suns, which was a big deal back then. But David Wood, that's you know when you're doing these these fantasy names, you have to have something. To That's increase your credit. Yeah, yeah. Um, and nobody was going to pick that. Nobody so. is naming their fantasy anything team after David Wood. No, um, Tom Gugliotta was a name I'd love to hear again. I yeah. was so excited when the Warriors got him. I know, I know. But they tail, they traded uh, what Danielle Marshall for him. Danielle Marshall, another guy who was awful, but would yeah. just get a triple double like every fourth game. Just yeah, to um, And the Warriors would always trade. They'd always end up going to a different team and being amazing, like Mario Ellie. Oh, yeah. When I think went to the Rockets or the Spurs or both, and uh, <laughs> yeah. just took off. Title piece elsewhere and just useless, but. Better times in but, the States. Hey, at least it's better than when uh, everything was named after a Michael Vick uh, bad dog pun. So, yeah. yes. Anyway, sorry. Yes. <laughs> but this is what I'm talking about. Derail. This is what I want to talk about. Fun stuff like this. I don't care if we derail. Um, so, anyway, what is your. I, I'll just go through your list. We'll just go one by Can one. I dwell on a movie sure. and just talk about it until it's. So. We've beaten a dead horse. Yeah. I. 
because you asked me about this, I yeah. jotted a bunch of movie names down. Yeah. And I tried to talk myself into better movies or like higher brow, more intellectual. Um, but I kept coming back. So I'm in high school. I'm a mm-hmm. senior in high school. It's 1989. Okay. Roughly that time anyway. Mm-hmm. And I walk out of Field of Dreams with a buddy of mine. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I could see that movie a million times. Yeah. And here we are. How many years later? I don't know. Um, I don't like to know, <laughs> but you know, it's still, it, I mean, it's lost a bit, um, but it passes that kind of Shawshank test mm-hmm. of like, all right, I have to do something now, but oh gosh, here's, you know, red playing catch, uh, meeting Andy for the first time. Right. And next thing you know, the closing credits are running. Yeah. Um, so field of dreams to me is that kind of movie where, um, and it, and it just, it gets in touch with me as a baseball fan, mm-hmm. as a kid who grew up with, you know, weekends for me were watch the baseball bunch, mm-hmm. watch this week in baseball, right. watch the game of the week, hope to God that my little league schedule didn't interfere with any of that. <laughs> um, well, that's people forget. I mean, back then there was no sports channel. There was no uh, CSN Bay Area, whatever, you know, you had whatever the game of the week was, yeah. and then maybe KTVU would play a Giants game on the weekend yeah. if they're on the road. Yeah. Or if they're playing the Dodgers or something like that. Yeah. It's like a star player seeing their game on national TV on a Saturday was like you just couldn't yeah. watch Dave Parker or Joe Morgan yeah. or Kirk Gibson, George Foster yeah. or any of those guys mm-hmm. on a nightly basis. No. So, yeah. Um, you know, so that the. Uh, you know, James Earl Jones's monologue towards the end there about the one constant in life yeah. and the, you know, world does its own thing, mm-hmm. but the one constant is baseball. This yeah. kind of resonates for me, even now as I've kind of, you know, lost some of the love I guess I had for the game at one point. Ray, people will come, Ray. They'll come to Iowa for reasons they can't even fathom. They'll turn up your driveway, not knowing for sure why they're doing it. They'll arrive at your door, as innocent as children, longing for the past. Of course, we won't mind if you look around, you'll say. It's only $20 per person. They'll pass over the money without even thinking about it. For it is money they have, and peace they like. Ray, just sign the papers. And they'll walk out to the bleachers. Sit in shirt sleeves on a perfect afternoon. They'll find they have reserved seats somewhere along one of the baselines. Where they sat when they were children and cheered their heroes. And they'll watch the game. And it'll be as if they'd dipped themselves in magic waters. The memories will be so thick they'll have to brush them away from their faces. Ray, when the bank opens in the morning, they'll foreclose. People will come, Ray. You're broke, Ray. You sell now or you lose everything. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. America has rolled by like an army of steamrollers. It's been erased like a blackboard, rebuilt and erased again. But baseball has marked the time. This field, this game, is a part of our past, Ray. 
It reminds us of all that once was good, and it could be again. Oh, people will come, Ray. People will most definitely come. So I think Field of Dreams is the one movie that I couldn't dismiss out of all the ones I considered. Um, I actually watched it last night just yeah. to uh, well, kind of thank you. get a, uh, a a refresher on it. And just that there's you know a lot of those movies, a lot of sports movies, just kind of build up to that one moment, right. the buzzer beater, mm-hmm. the last second touchdown, or whatever. But kind of the you know the slow reveal of the things in the story and mm-hmm. the voice in the field, and then Joe Jackson's uh, Shoeless Joe's first appearance yeah. after the field was built and. Mm-hmm. Well, as a purist, even though Ray Liotta is great, he's not batting left-handed, which yeah. a lot of people had a problem with that. He's not the least athletic person ever to... Um, <laughs> no, that would be Anthony a... Perkins in uh, Fear Strikes Out, where he couldn't even throw the ball. But <laughs> um, You know, and then you, you just kind of progress into, uh, you know, the game at Fenway Park, where yeah. James Earl Jones, uh, Terry Nance's yeah. character is finally in on the whole mm-hmm. thing. Dog and a beer. Um, dog and a beer and the Oakland A's. <laughs> yeah, they're prepping the yeah. Uh, somebody flies out to left field, kind of doesn't really run it out. Is that... Yeah. Is that uh, so if that was 1989... I wanted to say it was Ron Hassey. It could have been. Um, I think you're right. But I'm not positive. Yeah. I couldn't... I didn't want to... I, I th- I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah. yeah. If it was so, a lefty, it, it was probably him. Um, great scene there. Yep. Uh, you know, and then you got the whole subplot with Moonlight Graham and then mm-hmm. meeting Archie Graham as a hitchhiker yep. and then you know the his dream coming true of getting his one at bat um yep. and then obviously the rest uh everybody's seen this movie but it just <laughs> you know even the the big big reveal at the end yeah. this whole thing was you know to kind of mend things with his with dad, his dad. Yep. Uh, and have a catch which is why it's not a true it's a lot of people say it's really not even that much of a sports movie because there's that whole subplot which i think why yeah. it's universal like even if you don't like sports you still like that movie yeah, yeah. and, and uh, i mean not to get too personal but yeah. like you know i don't have the warmest relationship with my father but mm-hmm. um you know god i remember i would just probably drive him crazy he'd be trying to work at home and I'd have my baseball cards out, and I'd be like, what is LF? What is SS? What is 2B? You know, and mm-hmm. he would just patiently kind of say, oh, it's a second baseman, son, or whatever. And, yeah. You know, so, you know, and everybody's had their moments at the ballpark sure. and stuff. And, and uh, you know, my dad would make an effort to find a, you know, to, to go out on the driveway and play catch. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, that yeah, that that's kind of, uh, you know, another part of the movie that I think is pretty cool. And obviously, yeah. you know, those those are the moments that you kind of, when it's all said and done at the end of life or whatever, you're just kind of, you know, cherish those. Sure. Absolutely. Um, I think the interesting part, um, you had, you had mentioned there's no like championship game or anything like that. I think that's why Bull Durham works so well. It's just, it's the everyday life of a ball player. Yeah. Uh, there's no one home run. There's no, you know, ending game. It's just the life of a career minor leaguer. And, uh, it's kind of timeless, you know? Yeah. I, I had a complicated relationship with Bull Durham, uh, and I'm sure a lot of people get hung up on this originally. Mm-hmm. Like, I just could not get past Tim Robbins' complete lack of athleticism. <laughs> That's true. Because um, you're a total flake. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm at the age where, you know, being an athlete and stuff is important to me. And I'm like, yeah. if this guy's a bonus baby, then yeah. I should be a freaking <laughs> first-round pick. <laughs> That's right. Um, so I kind of nitpicked it in that regard. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you look at it today, and granted, you know, rules just – 
over the years, you're like, there's nobody else on the planet that could have played him. But, right. You know, if you if you took out the complete doofus, unathletic airhead of Tim Robbins yeah. and, and made that character like take uh, Charlie Sheen out of Major League and just instead of a complete airhead, he's yeah. just this unhinged fireball or whatever. Right. Uh, you know, it just doesn't seem like. That would work, you know. Yeah. Even though he'd be a much better representation mm-hmm. of, the, of the major league. Even though I liked players. how they kind of threw in the Fernando esque, you know, looking up and the weird, it, yeah. yeah, or the Louis Tion going, you know, that that was kind of neat. But Costner kind of made up with it because Costner actually looks like a pretty good athlete. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, yeah. He, I mean, he's hitting frozen ropes yeah. one handed in the padding cage while yeah. he's hitting on Susan Sarandon, and you know, yeah, that definitely is in stark contrast to. Uh, Whatever Tim Robbins is doing, right? Is, so. <laughs> I definitely th- I think they needed a name. At least I, I don't know if he was a name at that point, but I think he nailed the off the field side of it, just kind of playing that flake. But yeah, but you're right. If you're a sports fan, you see him throw. And, it's like, yeah, and I have like I mean the same thing that I get caught up with in Rocky a little bit mm-hmm. is you know great storytelling, sure, great you know a lot of notes hit just right there. But as a boxing fan, at least I was at the time, yeah. You know, heavyweights do not absorb 15, 20, 25, 30 uh, undefended punches to the head. No. And, you know, so, I mean, it took the the sport and just kind of cartoonized it. Uh, sure. And, and, but, I mean. Rob but in many ways, it helped the sport, too. They ended the Ali era. And really, from that till about the Mike Tyson era, I think it probably helped the sport a little bit. At least gained some, uh, you know, more Tip viewership. conversation, yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah. I mean, yeah, once it got to, like, pretty much Rocky Three, it became a parody of itself. I mean, yeah. even though I love Mr. T, and it's fun, and, and you have Hulk Hogan thrown in there, but um, definitely the first one is the grittiest, and even though it still does suffer from getting 25 punches to the head in a row. Yeah, but. yeah. It's, yeah. All right, so you, you Field of Dreams, probably your number one, or That's in where, any particular yeah. order, yeah. Uh, it, the, the one I was trying to, when I, when I first sat down, and I still love The Natural. Yeah, um, that's my number one. So, okay, well, yeah. Yeah. we can agree. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and I don't, I don't, I don't, I can't really say what differentiates uh, it other than I think if I just had a choice between popping one in, yeah. I think there's scenes in The Natural that are among my favorite scenes in movie history. Right. Um, you know, just the kind of newsreelish uh, presentation of Roy Hobbs's emergence in Major League Baseball was just fascinating to watch. And, yeah. Um, you know the sports writer character played by um, Robert Duvall. Robert Duvall. Thank mm-hmm. you. Is Max Mercy his name? Yeah, yeah. Great, it's a good one. Great uh, pen name. That's right. Um, you know those guys in that era probably thought they could make or break careers, Absolutely. and to a degree maybe they could, or at mm-hmm. least make or break reputations. So, mm-hmm. um, just yeah, I think that's a fantastic movie. There's some subplots in there that kind of drag for me. Um, sure. The uh, you know the home run scene at the end and the. Um, his trotter on the bases is, is, is you know, hair raising as a guess. Oh, it's so, iconic. Yeah. The, the song alone is, you can play that anywhere. <laughs> the, the Texas Rangers overplay it like hell, but, <laughs> uh, but that is an iconic theme. And it's, and, you know, just seeing the, uh, the lights go down on the manager's glasses as he's watching them go around. And that's, that's awesome. Yeah. And the, the batting. So I watched two scenes actually, again, mm-hmm. as part of my extensive research, the, project. <laughs> uh, the batting practice scene, is fantastic. Yeah. When I mean, the first time they actually let him hop in the cage and he just starts blasting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then I forget what the pitcher says. Something like, you know, see if you can hit this one old time. Yeah. He puts it back in the upper deck. Mm-hmm. And uh, Wilford Brimley. Yeah. The uh, manager. Yeah. Yeah. Him just going to the 
you know, drinking fountain. Yeah. Dug out, just like, wait a minute, what's going on here? It was just great priceless. characters in that movie. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I loved, yeah. Uh, the assistant coach too was great. And I think he even mm-hmm. said after that, after he hits like 15 balls into the upper deck, something like not too bad there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know if you ever read the book. And I the, did not. It, it is depressing as hell. It takes place. I, I think it was written in either the forties or fifties, but they, it's completely different. Uh, there's no iconic scene at the end. He basically throws the game, and Roy Hobson. yeah, okay. for oh, the for the owner. Yeah, okay. yeah. So uh, this I think works way better than I bet you if it was released in the '70s, they might he might have thrown the game because it's kind of a grittier era. Yeah. But uh, it definitely wouldn't have been iconic. That's where a loose adaptation works in our favor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 But there's some, I mean, Darren McGavin plays the the uh, gambler who's best known as the old man in Christmas Story. Mm. Uh, Kim Basinger, if you need yeah. the love interest. Um, but yeah, just there's so many um, uh, Bump Bailey crashing through the wall. <laughs> Bump Bailey again. I hate Michael Madsen. Uh, I hate to keep going back on it, but Bump Bailey was another guy that just didn't pass as a pro athlete. Yeah. His, uh, <laughs> even him running into that wall. Was, uh, <laughs> but Redford was a good athlete. Right? Yes, very you know, much so. Yeah, you could tell. Um, and I wonder. My dad always thought right before he hit the the home run at the end. The ball that went foul was probably fair, like, and they probably just did some some camera work because it looks like he, hmm. he hit that pretty well. So, but that yeah, stuff you pick up on. Uh, but yeah, they actually um, glommed on to there was a player, a Chicago Cubs player, and I don't know his name, that was actually shot by a woman that was a stalker, huh. and that's where the whole Barbara Hershey character kind of came into play. I also love how the Babe Ruth character, the Whammer, yeah, uh, probably the one of the best Babe Ruth. Um, characterizations in a movie that I can remember because obviously the John Goodman thing's terrible and the real the original with William Bendix is awful um, but yeah the, the you know that scene where he strikes him out and instead of you know nowadays a guy would be cheering or hooting or hollering he just kind of like hits his fist and, yeah. and I mean it's it's perfect so so that's a great one what, what other ones yeah well so Hoosiers is a uh, gotta go Hoosiers yeah um, and I mean there was definitely a time when it would have been my favorite uh, you know I I grew up playing baseball and mm-hmm. basketball and then stuck with basketball for a decent stretch. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I can definitely relate to, you know, shooting baskets yeah. until the lights go out. <laughs> right. Um, and, uh, you know, the kind of old school, you know, tough love coach that, uh, Norman, Norman Dale was. So, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, like you said, Tuzers is, it's a layup for uh, life <laughs> there I don't I can't think of a, I mean there maybe hoop dreams I don't know I can't think of a better basketball movie there aren't that many good basketball movies that I can think of um, at least that holds up as well as Hoosiers I didn't hate blue chips yeah um, it was you know McNulty yeah. yeah definitely kind of takes that stereotypical crooked program and just yeah. you know blows all those things out of proportion so mm-hmm. it's a little campy in that regard yeah. but um, the basketball scenes were great yeah um, yeah you, they had real players. Yeah, yeah, they had real players. Yeah. A lot of yeah NBA guys, and I mean, frankly, the the the, uh, the basketball action and blue chips was way better than oh, the sure. mm-hmm. Um But obviously not in the same. Uh, well, what's inter- interesting about Hoosiers is really that the one thing that's a big deal isn't such a big deal nowadays. Where I guess he hit a kid like when he was playing. Considering Bobby Knight was the Indiana basketball coach, I mean, seems kind of tame, but maybe back in the fifties it, it wasn't. But um, and there's another true story. I mean, it's based on a real, yeah. real school. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's 
that's one I could watch. They kind of made us watch all the time when there was a rain rain out for PE. They put on Hoosiers Hoosier. or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, so it, it it's. I mean, I guess it makes sense. America's pastime and the pace of baseball just lends itself so well to yeah. uh, feature films. I mean, you can have a pitcher in the stretch sure. for ten seconds while you're panning around, showing yeah. you know, the manager and whatever. Where uh, you know the bang bang nature of like a hockey game, or yeah, basketball, basketball or yeah. Uh, because yeah, the only other movies that I have on my kind of top ten, mm-hmm. uh, Major League, another uh, great one, yeah. Baseball movie. And then Caddyshack, because I'm a golf guy. Yeah, definitely. Um, so you like Caddyshack better than Tin Cup? Well, uh, Tin Cup made a list that I don't know that I have access to. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Caddyshack is just, you know, it's like the fletch of sports movies or whatever, where it's just, um, in fact, I mean, that's almost any, it's a, that's a disservice to Caddyshack. Yeah. Uh, fletch hasn't aged all that well, but, um, <laughs> It's kind of that that airplane esque thing. I mean, just so yeah. zany yeah. that um, you know the golf is kind of secondary, but yeah. the, and, the mean, jokes are great. And, and golfers, we are so stale and unoriginal <laughs> that we are quoting Caddyshack to this day, and we will be in thirty years. Sure. And um, it never gets old for us. I'm yeah. sure most people just roll their eyes at the you know the heavy stuff isn't coming down for a while. Right. Um, <laughs> it probably gets old. If, Five thousandth time, most people. And if you don't like golf, there's always the Baby Ruth and the uh, and yeah. the pool. So yeah, yeah. can't go wrong. With um, that. So yeah, and Tin, tin Cup. Uh, you know, Kevin Costner was good uh, mm-hmm. again. I mean, that golf swing doesn't quite cut it for yeah. uh, a U.S. Open contender. But <laughs> how about um, Don Johnson's? Swing? Yeah. Uh, well, that's. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that that was a great movie. Um, you know, one of those things that pulled off the. Um, you know the loss at the end, yeah. uh, but still made it, you know, a kind of a, you know, you're not walking out of there one to... Yeah, exactly. It was probably better that he did lose. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no Happy Gilmore for you? Not, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> not a Sandler fan? No. Well, yeah, that, I mean, there's there's moments in that movie, but, um, yeah, no. <laughs> I've seen enough people try to do the Happy Gilmore. Oh, I'm sure. Course, that, <laughs> she uh, just pissed off. Yeah. Get a ground crew out to fix the tee box. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, uh, what else you got in your arsenal of sports? Now I want to hear what you what on. you have. Because... Well, you know, that's, the, that's those are the movies I wrote down. Okay, no, that's totally fine. <laughs> okay, of the Rockies, I remember a long time ago. I want to say 2002. Um, you sent me this amazing Bill Simmons article about the Rocky series. Where he just has this, incre- this is when he was still writing for ESPN, um, his incredible hatred for Adrian. And basically, every movie he wanted her to die, starting with when she went into a coma in the second one. By the fourth one, she wanted the Russians to shoot down the plane as she went to go travel to see Ro- uh, Rocky in Moscow. So, uh, what is your favorite of the, actually, of all the Rockies, what is your favorite? You know, I. I, I'm not the guy to have a rocky conversation with. I've seen them all. Yeah. Uh, I probably hated the one with Tommy Morrison less than most of the planet. Five. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which you know a lot of people just completely disavow. Yeah. Uh, its existence, but um, yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't have a real strong. Uh, the original was great. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, because you grew up with obviously three and four. 
uh, Ivan yeah, Drago, Drago yeah. and, uh, and uh, Mr. T. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. You did bring up the good point, though, and it's kind of another feather in the cap of Field of Dreams that mm-hmm. didn't have a awkward romantic subplot that True. dragged it down. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even Hoosier's his little dalliance with the Barbara Hershey yeah. administrator just, yeah. you know, was just kind of so out of left field. Sure. And didn't go anywhere. And, um, yeah. So if you didn't like Adrian, that could grind on you a little yeah. bit, but you know, uh, Kevin Costner's wife and, and field of dreams was, you know, supportive, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Rational when she needed to be. Yeah. And, uh, People forget so. she played the uh, Uncle Buck, uh, and she was the the girlfriend of John Candy. Who That's the, right. She was the tire right. salesman. Rest in peace, Uncle yeah. Buck. I know. <laughs> he was so good. John Candy was so good. And yeah. So many things. Um, actually, my dad. I think my dad's favorite movie, sports movie, is For the Love of the Game, and mostly because Vin Scully is basically being Vin Scully. He's broadcasting the whole game. But what a lot of people don't like about that one is the kind of um, intersection of the love story with Kelly Preston in mm. that. Uh, but the baseball is amazing. And uh, even though John C. Riley's the catcher, he still pulls it off pretty well. And, <laughs> and, and obviously, Koskar looks like he could pitch him, though he's you know probably too old, but he's supposed to be old in that. Um, but yeah, Vin Scully definitely makes that movie. Let me ask you this as a yeah. movie guy. Yeah. Um, I'm home the other night. I watch... Uh, Hexaw Ridge. Yeah. Which was good. Uh-huh. Not great. Held my interest. Uh, I was like, I wanted to watch another movie. And I was thinking about watching um, Deepwater Horizon. Okay. <laughs> because I wanted something short-ish and just kind of mindless. Yeah. Not to discount the tragedy that unfolded there. Ridge. You know, it just got me thinking that, you know, they make movies out of news events just... You know, Hacksaw Ridge, yeah. Boston Marathon bombing, mm-hmm. Benghazi, yep. whatever. Why are there so few sports movies made? I, I don't know. I, particularly off of, like, actual events. Sure, sure. I mean, somebody mentioned We Are Marshall. Um, okay. Which is, that that's a good one. Maybe, the, I, I don't know. It could, they just made one about Jesse Owens. Uh, I've yet to see. Um, there was one about um, Ernie Davis, um, who played... For God, I can't think of the college, but he ended up getting drafted by the Browns, um, who died very young. I mean, obviously, Brian's song might be one of the the, the famous have ones. Have you seen? So you seen Brian's song? Oh yeah, oh okay. yeah, that one was a kid. Yeah. I probably should have watched that one before we sat down because <laughs> I've been told by a number of people that um, oh, it's a tearjerker. Basically, weep the entire time. Yeah. Uh, J- uh, James Conn playing Brian Piccolo and and uh, Billy D. Williams plays yeah. Gail Sayers. Gail Sayers in the headlines. I know, yeah. which and Dwight Clark too. Yeah, so, I mean, if, yeah. if you're a football fan, especially in the Bay Area, uh, you know Dwight Clark having LAS is is heartbreaking. Yeah. And then Gail Sayers has had dementia for a while. Yeah, that's but, which leads to, I mean, have you, did you see concussion? Not yet. Yeah. So if you're a football fan, I mean, there's there's a lot yeah. to uh, kind of be irked at. But it, it just seems, I don't know, there's, there's you know, I, I'm just thinking of a couple stories, like Dale Earnhardt's death. Yeah. Um, most iconic, one of the most iconic figures in that In NASCAR, realm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, dies in the most prestigious race in that series. Yeah. We haven't had a feature film on that, which no. I find interesting. I was thinking about the 
2004 ALCS. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Red Sox are dealing with their curse. They're down three nothing. They're drinking Jack Daniels shots before <laughs> games, you know, and they slay the evil empire. Yeah, like, how's that not a movie? Well, they did make Fever Pitch, but <laughs> yeah. and I understand with sports it's different because these things are televised and sure. there's you know. You would think there's some old stories. I mean, they don't have to necessarily do now. I mean, just yeah. they just now made a, a, a good Jackie Robinson story. Yeah. And that was yeah. really well done. Yeah. Um, they very easily, I, I, you would assume they're going to make something about last year's Cubs team. I mean, that's, yeah. <laughs> they finally broke the curse. But yeah, Roberto Clemente's uh, yeah. Life and Death, although I, I did a little research on that. And they didn't, there was a feature film made in mm. 2013, but I don't think it was to wide release. Definitely. I mean, he's iconic for. Yeah. Um, that country and like he's still like probably the most popular player I, yeah. d- from the Dominican Republic, yeah. right? Yeah, uh, Thurman Munson. You could totally do something exactly. about Thurman Munson. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I guess you, you know people like me who live in the sports world think that it's the biggest. You know that everybody loves the NFL or everybody loves LeBron James, or right. whatever. And maybe it's just. I mean, obviously, I think <laughs> studio execs probably know what sells and what doesn't. Sure, but even LeBron sell. was in. Did you see Trainwreck? I have not yet. I and he's he good in it. Yeah. 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 That's, um, did you ever see The Rookie with uh, Dennis Quaid? Yes. Yeah. That was, I mean, that's, it's a Disney movie, so they tone it down. Uh, but I thought that was well, I and mean, that's a true story based yeah. on that guy's book. Yeah. Um, I went until probably my late 30s convinced that, like, I could quit my job, have, like, six months with a pitching coach, and... <laughs> Get players out at that level, and like I'm not necessarily seriously. Trying. Yeah. Oh yeah. I definitely. Um, and I didn't. You know, I pitched through high school. Right. And, uh, not at all after that. And um, well, if you can't see Matt, you're six five, six six. Yeah, six five. Yeah. Two, yeah. yeah. Twenty five. Yeah. I'm in shape. Um, <laughs> so yeah, you know, I'm like yeah, yeah. I could have been like you know a late blooming Roger Clemens or something. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> that was what I was. Yeah. So that like yeah, the rookie I enjoyed very much. Yeah. Because it get that. That spoke to me in a. Uh, so in your prime, how hard could you throw? Well, that's the thing is I, I never I never lifted weights or anything mm-hmm. in high school. Um, so I was a scrawny, uh, you know, six five, one hundred eighty five pound <laughs> small forward or whatever I was for basketball. Um, so that's where my convinced like I, I prop so like I had coaches that you know were like oh you were probably throwing low eighties today mm-hmm. which that's nothing right but, yeah um, you know if I had dedicated some uh, effort to becoming a little stronger. I might have been able to. But that's why, I mean, super tall pitchers usually don't do well. Uh, like Randy Johnson, it took him, you know, five years to get, to become Randy Johnson. Right. I mean, he was terrible in the Expos. I mean, he was thrown yeah. all over the place. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> pitching has got to be one of the hardest things to do. Hitting that too. I mean, hitting a, a moving fastball. That you know? I couldn't do. I, uh, I, yeah, um, I, Settled nicely into being designated hit for uh, in high school, so I had no problem. So, did you have any um, you know illusions of grandeur for basketball at all? Because I mean, you played I'm in college. Sure I did have yes. I mean, you know, I mean, it was completely absurd. Um, but I was on the tail end of you know when you could get away with being a six five uh, small forward mm-hmm. um, off guard type. Um, you know, because guys, you know, when I was playing basketball in college and, and high school, you know, your point guard was six foot, yeah. your off guard was six two, mm-hmm. your small forward was six five, right. you know, power forward was six seven, six eight, and then you maybe had a seven foot center or whatever. Right. And nowadays, you know, I am a t- small point guard. Yeah. Um, 
you know, guys that are six nine are bringing the ball up, and so you know, I I should have gone to a Division two NAIA um, mm-hmm. school and had a nice, you know. So re- were you college. recruited at all? Yeah, sure, okay. but yeah. very little at the Division one level, almost not at all. Uh-huh. Um, and you know, so most of the smaller schools in Northern and mm-hmm. Southern California were, you know, lightly recruiting me. And, yeah. Uh, you know, I was dying to play Division One basketball, and yeah. San Jose State gifted me a favor by having every member of the team, when I was a senior in high school, they walked out on their coach. Why? Um, they were citing physical and emotional, uh, I shouldn't say physical in the sense of, uh, you know, Norman Dale. Hey, right. Man, uh, <laughs> but more or less just absurdly uh, punishing workouts mm. and, and demands of that nature, so... Yeah, they uh, they held a press conference and mm-hmm. and almost the entire team walked out. Like three guys stayed. Wow. Um, and then they ended up firing the coach mm-hmm. uh, after that season. So they brought in football players and some like fraternity guys and to finish on. the season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Johnny Johnson, who was a very yeah. good uh, running back for San Jose yeah. State, ended up playing for the Jets. Mm-hmm. And I think he was on the All Rookie Team in the NFL. And he flamed out after a few years as running backs were known to do. But he was. I used to go to all those games with my dad back mm-hmm. then. He was great. Um, did not look at all out of place uh, playing Playing basketball. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, took advantage of that opportunity to walk on at San Jose State and yeah. made the team and basically sat the bench the entire year, played in one game as a freshman, then yeah. redshirted me as a sophomore with the intent of giving me a scholarship for my what would have then been my redshirt sophomore season. But I took that um, redshirt year poorly and didn't really – uh, develop much as a player, so they decided to uh, to change course on that idea. So, if you had ch- if you could have done it over again, what school would you have gone to? Well, if I could do it well, if I could do it all over again, I think I would have either stuck with baseball or <laughs> um, uh, you know played both in junior college or sure. something. Because I, I did have um, a lot of natural ability for um, uh, in at baseball, and I was yeah pretty decent and the guy I was playing an American Legion team with you know had me fill out a draft card for he was a Philly scout or something mm. so there was no way I was getting drafted by the Phillies but I mean it was <laughs> you know the fact that I had a, a future either in college or or whatever down the road mm-hmm. was n- not out of the question so what was what was your position in baseball I pitched okay yeah you know, and you know just a stupid high school kid you know basketball games the gym was full Mm-hmm. The games were covered, local media and stuff like that. I thought the attention was cool. Where yeah. baseball, you know, nobody goes to the games, no. nobody covers them. Uh, so again, that's just completely an idiotic way to, um, you know, plan your career out. But that that was kind of my push towards basketball. It was just. Uh, well, that's what was interesting about growing up in the Bay Area. So you had Sarah High School, where Barry Bonds yeah. went there. Greg Jeffries went there and both made it to the majors. And uh, obviously Bonds had it in his lineage, but uh, <laughs> Greg yeah. Jeffries didn't. He actually, he was a top phenom for a while there um, for the Mets. Uh, best, but he, uh, the best pitcher in, in my league when I was in uh, high school was Ryan Hancock. Hmm. And uh, he ended up playing for the Angels, I believe. Okay. Um, and I want to say he hit a home run as a pitcher before they even like had interleague play or something. Yeah. I, I could be completely wrong. Uh, in my Little League team, this was up till t- age of 12, so we played with a guy named Ben Julianel, and he ended up getting, um, he ended up playing the minors. I think he was drafted by the Royals. 
And he played about five or six years in the minors, but never made it to the majors. But as a lefty pitcher, so we thought oh, the, eventually they'll call him up like the rookie year. And I think he finally just retired. But it was it was funny, and only I would remember this. He was I was doing fantasy baseball all the way back in high school, and it's all this is before the internet, so we were just writing out our stats and everything. And he traded someone Sterling Hitchcock at the time. Well, he ended up getting traded for Sterling Hitchcock <laughs> when he eventually played, which I thought was priceless. He probably doesn't even remember that, but stuff like that. That, uh, that is an amazing coincidence. He, I guarantee he doesn't remember. I still have the paperwork somewhere where he actually made that deal when we were yeah. in high school. So You wonder, like, you know, when Crash Davis had his cup of tea, yeah. cup of coffee in the majors, and, you know, he could tell the guys in the bus, so, yeah, I've been in the show. Yeah. Uh, you just kind of wonder how how those guys look back on their career because they got there, right? Yeah. But was that their validation of everything, mm-hmm. or was it that taste and they just can't ever, like, you know, they didn't make it? You yeah. Know? Like you made it, but you didn't mm-hmm. stick. So I don't know. I, baseball's got to be one of the hardest because in basketball, I mean, you can pretty much make a difference immediately. Uh, if you're a running back, I think you can almost making a difference immediately but baseball i mean even if you're a phenom you still got to go to the minors yeah and there's really no other sport like that maybe hockey i don't know but yeah hockey will be like yeah but uh you got you have to pay your dues for the most part i mean even if, even if you're super super talented uh it's a little less now because i think there's so much money involved i mean your bryce harper's come up early but yeah you know. they still keep them down to 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 keep their well, that's the free agent clock right from, and yeah. that's a problem with the the union because uh, you know Chris Bryant should have been up yeah. a couple years ago and they they left him down to uh, it's terrible for fans it's terrible for fantasy owners Who absolutely wins there? just the baseball owners right? exactly yeah. exactly but I get why they do it if I was an owner I'd do the same thing yeah, makes so. business sense uh, so were there any other were there any college sports movies that that you really enjoyed. Well, Blue Chips was in there. Mm-hmm. Um, Obviously Hoosiers. But that, Hoosiers was, was high, high school. school yeah. yeah. I uh, can't think of it. Didn't like, um, what was the, was it the program, that, that football movie with? Uh, <laughs> That's where you get into football movies to me. I'm sh- I've seen the program, I'm sure. Yeah. I've seen Friday Night Lights, which again, we're getting back into high school. Yeah. But yeah. Those movies have the overbearing father, the <laughs> yes. unscrupulous team trainer or head coach, the uh, booster who's you know <laughs> trying to buy off everyone. Yeah, uh, you know the egomaniac quarterback, the diva wide receiver. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. Some of these movies just like the pieces are the same. The final scene where the right guard misses the block, <laughs> and so there's pressure on the quarterback, uh-huh. and he has to roll out and just barely gets you know. I don't know. They, they, so I'm sure I've seen those movies, but so you didn't um, like Necessary Roughness with Scott Bakula. Oh, what was the one that uh, the replacements with Keanu? What was uh, Gene Hackman's uh, the replacement? Okay, yeah. yeah. So those yes, there's some that I that just John uh, Favreau plays a psycho like linebacker meld together. There's others that just want to forget in the replacements. I, I'd say the best, my personal favorite is The Longest Yard, the original with Burt Reynolds, because you actually had NFL players like Nitschke and. Um, I think Joe Cap was in it, um, and just you know Burt Reynolds and the guy in the nuts. Like when he's, <laughs> I mean, it's it still cracks me up. But uh, and the Burt, remake, Burt, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's Samler. But Burt Reynolds actually played college football, so yeah. that that's he actually. Uh, I didn't realize Kurt Russell actually played minor league baseball. That's right. So that would actually be going actors that actually played sports. There's a uh, gosh, I forget what the story is now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Darn it. Terry, Terry Crews played 
I think football, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. Um, trying to think. Bernie Casey, he used to play for the 49ers. He was a lot of 80s movies. He was like <laughs> Spies Like Us and I'm Gonna Get You, Sucker. And uh, he's a great character actor. <laughs> Spies Like Us. Spies Like Us is just worth it just for the uh, test taking scene. When, uh, that was a good one. Um, there's a hundred dollars in my wallet, or maybe there isn't. <laughs> Are you trying to bribe me? Or uh, he's got the the fake cast. Yes. <laughs> Just leave there's an eye patch involved. Yes, there um, was. Uh, I think he farts in the middle of the uh, the. Spies test. like yeah. us for a while was probably one of my top five favorite movies. Just <laughs> Doctor for rewatchability, but. Yeah. Uh, Kind of in the same family as Three Amigos, as far as just yeah. absurdly, but just absurdly rewatchable. Yeah, um, Chevy Chase, man, like he had his he had his moments. I I still can watch Fletch. Like there's still, I know it doesn't hold up as well, but there's some great one-liners in there. Yeah, yeah, I still quote Fletch. Yeah, uh, had the privilege of meeting, uh, and I really wish I'd fawned over him. Uh, <laughs> his, uh, you know, the attorney who. Um, represents his wife and he was chasing him down for alimony oh, the entire time he was time. in animal house tim matheson right no, no? uh this is uh gosh he's neither trespassing nor loitering i've uh-huh. me- merely uh selected an advisable location to await my client's delinquent husband uh <laughs> is this or, in the original this is the original this is in fletch yeah okay. um because fletch too has the famous scene within the prison when he, when he you know, get... Fletch 2 is borderline Caddyshack 2 as far as I really don't want to dwell on it. Um, but it's, so the, uh, Mike Arkish, former uh, Yahoo Sports colleague, uh-huh. uh, wrote a book on, um, I think it was one of the Ali Frazier fights. Mm-hmm. And uh, Phil Jackson came to the book signing and so did this actor from Fletch. Okay. And I got introduced to him, and I really wanted to uh, throw some Fletch lines at him. And <laughs> I, I, I missed my opportunity. It's not this guy, is it? No, that's the... That is... I think that's him. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Does he, didn't he break into his house or something? Yes. Yes. Okay, yes. yeah, yeah. So his name is... George Weiner? Yeah, I guess. So. But you, if you look him up, you've seen his face, and he's been in a lot of movies. Yeah there, yeah, there he is right there. Yeah, yep. that's a good one. Let me look up his filmography. He was in Spaceballs. He's good in Spaceballs. Yeah, he was. Obviously Fletch. He's in Fletch Lives, too. He was in The Trouble with the Curve. There's a sports movie. Did you see that with Clint Eastwood? I missed that one. He plays a scout. There is another bad one. Did you ever see The Scout with um, um, Albert Brooks and Brendan Fraser? I think so. The first half an hour is great, where he's actually finding this guy that throws... He's kind of like... You've heard of the story of Sid Finch. The oh, guy, yeah. yeah. The guy throws like 110 or whatever like that, and he finds him in some small uh, Mexican league. And uh, But then when he invites him to pitch for the Yankees, he obviously freaks out, because he's basically Encino Man. Uh, if you've ever seen Encino Man. You're right. Yeah. Those are... There's some bad ones out there. So in my... List that I've written down. The one movie I forgot to touch on, because uh, I was kind of just going over some of my not necessarily favorite movies, but favorite scenes in sports movies. Uh-huh. And Miracle. Oh yeah. Miracle. Which is about the 1980 USA hockey yes. team. Yep. Um, the combination, obviously, the semifinal game. Mm-hmm. Is, right. People forget that that wasn't right. even the gold medal game. Yeah, didn't yeah. get all the way there. Um, so that that whole scene is. Or, 
what you know watching that unfold is goosebumps yeah uh, but the specific scene for me um because i can remember back you know we had a basketball practice at san jose state mm-hmm. where coaches had us running liners mm-hmm. and we would run liners for 10 minutes and he would explain that that was for somebody taking a bag of potato chips out of the refrigerator in the coach's locker room. Now get back on the line and we'll tell you what the next whatever. Yeah. And we like ran until <laughs> I remember I was running next to Charles Terrell, one of my teammates, and mm-hmm. I was about to like pass out. Yeah. And he's like, just he's like, just keep going, just like just catch yourself. Just fall forward and catch yourself. And that's like basically how I was running these liners was just basically a continuous stumble. Right. Um but the scene where um, Her Brooks' assistant yeah. is actually having to blow the whistle every time and right. say again. Um, or I guess, I don't know if Her Brooks says again. But, uh, and then that scene ends with Michael Ruzioni, you know, saying, or asking who's he played for. And he finally says USA when before all those guys were saying that they played for their college. The, right, uh, right. Um, but that whole scene of him, and I think that was even after a game. Yeah. Was, they were putting they through were, the... yeah. Um, that's one of my favorite sports movie scenes of all, of all time. Yeah, um, that is a great one. You represent yourself and your teammates. And a name on the front is a hell of a lot more important than the one on the back. Get that through your head. Again. Everybody get on that line. Hey. Again. Again. Come on, Craig, blow the whistle. Again. Michael Ruzioni! Went through Massachusetts. Who do you play for? Play for the United States of America. That's all, gentlemen. But hockey is a difficult, um, you know. I'm not a slap shot guy. Are you? I am. I well, I'm not a huge hockey fan. Yeah. So, but I love uh, Paul Newman, and I the Hanson brothers are hilarious. Yeah. And I'm, yeah. So the, it's kind of the Caddyshack of like if, if you don't take it as a hockey movie and just as a comedy, yeah. I find it really funny. I think but, I, I need. To, I probably need to give it another chance because I do. I did look at it as just too slapsticky and. Yeah, and it uh, is. Yeah. yeah. So I was. I was probably in that purest sports fan mm. era of movie watching where if the action wasn't believable to me I was just like shutting it off so but if you uh, it, nowadays I'm like the un-PC-ness of the 1970s <laughs> you'll like it <laughs> because I mean they obviously couldn't get away with a lot of stuff they said uh, back then but it's to me it's super funny yeah. super, and uh, yeah. yeah and have you seen Goon yes that's actually I, I i'm again not a huge hockey fan yeah. but uh, a lot of people like that one too I'm, I'm, the goon 2 trailer yeah. is uh it has me intrigued so yeah I'm, i might make a rare movie theater appearance so even though it is stifler he actually does pretty well <laughs> that's it 
I think it's based on a true. It's based on an actual player too. Well, those guys. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. Uh, those those guys are the nicest, friendliest. Uh, I mean, uh, Stu Grimson mm-hmm. is known as one of the nicer guys in the history of the league. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, I'm gonna forget his name now. The uh, guy played for the Anaheim Ducks was their enforcer when they won the Stanley Cup, mm-hmm. and I actually sat next to him one of their Stanley Cup final games when I was in the auxiliary press box because mm-hmm. um, you're a shark season ticket holder uh, this yeah. was yeah. just a professional uh, obligation I had okay. um, <laughs> covering the series um, George Peros gosh mm-hmm. I can't believe it. Uh, he, he had an iconic mustache mm-hmm. and it would give away like you know they'd have Peros mustache giveaway nights <laughs> and stuff um, but couldn't have been a nicer guy yeah just, you know down to earth and th- th- those guys are I don't know that Stifler portrays it in that regard right. or that way, but um, probably underappreciated. Well, this uh, leads me. So of the athletes you have met, who, who, who have been your favorites? That I've met? Yeah. Gosh, I, you know, I haven't... Uh, that's a great question, but I can't really... Well, my dad, I always ask my dad, he's like, I'm not a jock sniffer, so that's... Uh, there's some guys I really want... He, my, my dad actually met Ricky Anderson, so he was very, very nice. So, uh, You know, I mean, that's... One of the memories that you, you mentioned that, mm-hmm. and, and I went to a Warrior game mm-hmm. probably mid 80s, and uh, Ricky Henderson was there yeah. in the stands. And, um, you know, so I was the wide eyed. Like, yeah. That's Ricky Henderson. Yeah. And, uh, you know, went up and shook his hand. Sure. And he couldn't have been nicer. Um, but, yeah, I don't, I don't, I, uh, I don't have a lot of interaction. I with, figured you would. Yeah. But well, I mean, there's, there's, uh, I don't know, when you cover events, uh, a lot of times, uh, you know, the interactions are so kind of formulaic and, sure. you know, this guy's coming up to the podium and, you know, you don't get to know them any more mm-hmm. than somebody watching on TV does. Um, if you're a Jeff Passan or a Tim Brown where you're actually kind of interviewing them yeah, and, yeah. and mm-hmm. you know, kind of entrenched in that life for the whole year, you get to know those guys a little bit more personally. Yeah. Um, Were you here when uh, Dave Drabecki came? And spoke. No. That was cool because yeah. I, I just either people didn't grow up or they don't realize he actually used to play for the Giants or knew his story, but there was probably only like 15 people there. So we were like right in the front row. You actually got to talk to him and everything. And uh, super, super nice guy. Obviously, very inspirational. We yeah. grew up in the same time when that was a big deal in the Bay Area. Yeah, so. that was uh, heartbreaking. Well, it was. And for me personally, like his comeback game was August 10th and that is my birthday. So that was oh. my 11th birthday at the time. Or So that was, uh, that was a huge deal, you know, at, at the time. Yeah. But, uh, gosh, I really yeah. wish I could. I mean, I've, uh, you know, I've had my idols over the years. Yeah. I, I, Purvis Shore was my favorite Golden State That's Warrior right. ever. Um, <laughs> still is probably, even though I'm a, still a Warrior fan and I, Steph Curry is fantastic. Yeah. And, but it's always uh, what you grew up with. Yeah. I and mean, that's the, one of the first, yeah, well, first Warrior games I remember going to. My dad took me. It was kind of a spur of the moment thing, which is pretty rare in my family. And <laughs> um, they played the Houston Rockets, and Purvis went for fifty nine points. Jeez, um, that must have been the record for a long time. Well, obviously you can't go by Chamberlain, but yeah. Uh, yeah. And the Warriors lost. I'm ninety nine percent sure, but his mm-hmm. rainbow jumper yeah. was just so mesmerizing to me. And um, I'm sure I know I had known him as a fan before that, but. Yeah, I did spend a lot of time as a basketball player trying to shoot like like sure. high arcing jumpers <laughs> that probably did not help my development at all. Um, <laughs> that was but, a, those uh, were fun teams. I mean, you had Terry Teagle and guys like that. And, gosh, yeah. yeah, Terry Teagle, Mr. Uh, mean, uh, Larry, Larry Smith. Smith yeah. um, 
Well, J.B. Carroll was not the uh, <laughs> Joe Barry Carrers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, uh, they could have had. I mean, my uncle and my dad always talked about this. They could have kind of almost had the Celtics because they had Parrish already. Yeah. They may have been able to draft McHale. They had. Yeah. McHale was in some way, shape, or form it, like they had rights to him or right. something. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. Obviously, they went at Bird, but still. <laughs> yeah. Um, so one of the, I was just telling someone this. I went to a Warrior game back when the Bullets were called the Bullets, and so the Wizards and uh, Manupo and Muggsy Bogues were on the same team, and that was a big deal because if you don't know, Muggs, uh, Manupo was seven six, seven seven, I yeah, think, seven yeah. seven, yeah. and Muggsy Bogues was five three, five four, probably. Maybe. So you had the tallest player in NBA history with one of the shortest players in NBA history, and you know we walked down the courtside, and uh, it was just it was awesome to see, especially as what i was probably 10 years old and then greg papa came by who was also the announcer and he's probably about five six <laughs> so but super, he was nice too he said hi to us and, and everything so those are good Manu times bull, chucking threes part of the genius of uh and Nelson, there's a sad story too i mean he was giving basically all his money away right. back to his family back in back in africa so um yeah he was him and chris mullen i guess were really Good buddies. Yeah, I do remember some jokes that Chris Mullen made uh, that yeah. I won't repeat right now. <laughs> no, but, um, they were yeah, they were very friendly. Yes. And uh, did you see Mullen get into a, almost a brawl with uh, John Thompson's son? I no, I, I, I saw some headlines on that, but I didn't see. Yeah, it. um, it's interesting how Mullen's trajectory is kind of he's he's you know we well, kind of got shafted by the Warriors. Yeah, yeah. got shafted by the Warriors. Um, you know, maybe not the best personnel guy in the league, yeah. uh, but you know he's. At least on this coast, he's completely oh, dropped yeah. off the radar. Totally. But, um, I mean, he's got a, at least in his neck of the woods, probably one of the better college jobs. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, would, would you have now? thought five years ago that the Warriors would have one of the best franchises, uh, best run franchises? <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. And the Pointers have one of the worst. Yeah. So, yeah. It's remarkable. Yeah. How times have changed. I, uh, yeah. I don't know that I ever thought. You know, even when I I loved the Mullen Richmond Hardaway Warriors, yeah, they were the funnest team to watch. Marshallonis, yep. all those guys, mm -hmm. but never incur like they were just never going to win a title. No, I knew that you know Don Nelson like, wasn't going to win. Yeah, yeah. Um, they always the Lakers were dominant. Um, there was always so many things in the way. Yeah, and and then just those years and years of mismanagement and mm -hmm. yeah. I don't even know how to describe those teams, but. To be, yeah, they're in the position now where you're just like, I just have faith in the organization. Yeah. You know, they make a move and it's like, well, that yeah, that'll pan out. Sure. And, uh, you know. Well, that, that I, I really never have gotten back into basketball after the whole Chris Webber thing. And it's too bad because now is the golden era, no pun intended, for the Warriors. I mean, they yeah. it will get no better than this. But, uh, you know, once the whole Webber fiasco, they traded Richmond for Billy Owens. Uh, that was hard <laughs> to to get over that because you had that nucleus, even though they probably weren't going to win. Yeah, it, yeah, that, that yeah. that's probably the one time maybe when I actually did start to believe it was close. Yeah, um, Weber actually made me a hockey fan. Um, <laughs> that's right, because they did. Yeah. Well, but I tried to buy Warriors season tickets. Really? Because uh, I was employed, probably mm -hmm. making like eighteen grand a year. Yeah, and I thought I was like loaded, <laughs> uh, living at home. Yeah, and. I was excited about, well, I think, the year they drafted Weber. Mm -hmm. And I had had, like, our family had had, like, 11 game plans here and there okay. for the Warriors. And so I, I was like, you know what? I'm getting Warrior season tickets. Yeah. Was and it 90, 93 um, or 94? That's a decent yeah. time frame. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And I ended up on the, the waiting list because yeah. they were sold out of season tickets. So 
I don't even know. I might still be on the waiting list. Okay. I, don't know. I never <laughs> took myself off of it. I think I paid him, you know, hundred bucks, two hundred fifty, yeah. whatever. Um, but then San Jose, uh, the Sharks got to San Jose. Um, well, actually, did you go to Cow Palace games? I did. Yeah, I was actually at the first win in franchise history mm-hmm. against the Flames. My mom, who grew up on Long Island in a family that followed hockey, she wasn't a yeah. huge hockey fan, but she knew the game. She took me to the to the first. Their first win ever. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, they got to San Jose and made that run against, uh, you know, made the playoffs, beat mm-hmm. the Red Wings. Um, and so I took my yeah. vast riches that I was going to invest <laughs> in Golden State's franchise, and I bought Sharks season sure. tickets, and I've had them, you know, ever since. I so. do have a program. My dad took me to a Sharks game at the Cow Palace. I should just give it to you because, like, it's from... I love it. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's kind of fun. I, it's not a... No, it's not sentimental to me at all. I do have some old Warrior ones and uh, some fun programs from like, I want to say 90, 91 or 92 A's and Giants. And I actually scored the game, so it was funny to see who was on the team at the time. Um, Giant scorecards and stuff? Or? Yeah, so in 91, I mean, definitely Will Clark and Mitchell and Williams um, and Robbie Thompson. Uh, I think Reltz started one of the games. Yeah, but for the A's, I mean, it was like... Obviously, you had Conseco and all those guys, but Harold Baines was on the team. I forgot about that and guys like that. So it was always fun to go back and look. Is that the Alfredo Griffin era, or is that? After I think it was that? after because yeah. Griffin went to the Dodgers and things like that. But then people, were, I mean, Conseco, I think, got traded in '93, '94 to the Rangers, and that kind of that was their demise. But there was a team that should have been as good as the '70s A's. I mean, how dominating were they in the late '80s? Yeah. And they just never, they only had the one World Series. I remember, that's a, I'm sure you got to wrap this up sometime today. <laughs> no, but, that's okay. Uh, I'm sure my, go, only my uncle and my dad are listening at this point. I so, used yeah. to go to A's games by myself. Um, my mom would drive me to BART in yeah. Fremont. For some reason, let me get on a BART. This is before <laughs> yeah. I had a driver's license. Obviously. Yeah. Let me take BART up to Oakland and go to a baseball game. Yeah. Why I wanted to go to a baseball game by myself, <laughs> I don't know. But, um, for some reason, I remember I get a program mm-hmm. and I'm reading the program, and there's a feature on this guy in Modesto who's tearing it up. Mm-hmm. And it was Conseco. Oh yeah. And I don't know. I'm guessing that was the first time like Jose Conseco's name. This is probably '85. Yeah. 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 So um, I don't. It's interesting that that reading that article and I was sitting like first baseline. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I have a spatial remembrance yeah. of reading this. It's just weird that. That one article sticks out. And that's back when the A's actually had the nicest stadium in the Bay Area. <laughs> now it's nice view of the Oakland Hills. That's right. Nice uh, green uh, outfield. Yeah, and, they just uh, ruined that stadium. Yeah, it's, a, it's so bad. Uh, but yeah, so... Um, and you and people forget, Mark McGuire came up as a third baseman. I do. Yeah, I have his I rookie too. card, or his yeah. 87, and he's playing third base, which is weird, because you think of him as this eventually roided-out guy, but... Uh, yeah, allegedly. I mean, allegedly. Well, I I think I told you in 1988 I dressed up as Jose Canseco with shoulder pads. So, I mean, that was his peak. when I think he went 40-40 that year. So. Nice. If you don't know, folks, 40-40 is 40 home runs, 40 stolen bases. Big deal. Nobody had done it. And I think only two other people have done it. People don't hit 40 homers anymore. Well, so I know. Well, it's back to what it should be. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, and guys don't steal 100 bases like Vince Coleman. Used to look at the back of baseball cards and like George Foster would have like twenty seven home runs. Yeah. Like, man, this guy's a slugger. <laughs> or Strawberry hits thirty or something like yeah. that. But um, I'd say Mike Schmidt was a big eighties home run hitter. 
probably never hit. Um, but then they had the juice ball in 87. So then you had Dawson at like 49 and McGuire hit 49. And, yeah. So this, I'm just going to tell this story because you'll appreciate it. My dad listens. Uh, he made a bet in 1987. That was McGuire's rookie year with his business partner. Then his business partner said McGuire was going to hit 50 home runs. And so it kept getting closer and closer as a rookie. As a rookie. Okay. And so, I mean, they made it midway between the yeah. seasons. So McGuire had 30 plus. Um, eventually it came down to the final game. He had 49 home runs. And I remember listening to the game because they didn't put him on TV all the time. Yeah. It was the final game of the season. And Bill King announces that McGuire has to miss the game because his wife was delivering their, their first baby. And I've never seen my dad jump up in excitement. I mean, it was probably like a $20 bet, but it didn't matter. Right. He took us all out to pizza and everything. <laughs> so you remember Jose Canseco. I remember that. So, yeah. That's a bad beat story right that there. Is- <laughs> All right, so we're going to wrap this up. Thank you for joining us. It wasn't that painful. I mean, this was actually kind of fun. Uh, moderate to <laughs> light pain, yes. But no, I appreciate it. Um, yeah. I so I will know. release this right right after uh, uh, baseball season starts and then get, get, get you motivated to get back into it. And one of these days, you got to be in our fantasy pool. So I know Tell you'll me. never do it, but yeah. I'll do it. <laughs> Wait, no, no, you do the one, no, because you do the weird one where you, you get people's stats when you trade for them. That is, that's right. That's the topic for another show. And it is. Not good out. But it's not a daily league, so you can you can still live your life. Okay, well. So, all right, I'll, I'll keep selling you on one of these years, 2020. Talk to my admin. <laughs> if you enjoy this podcast and are an iTunes user, please do the show a favor and head on over to the official iTunes page for damn good movie memories. Be sure to leave a rating and a review. This will allow the show to appear higher in the algorithm and spread the joy of this podcast to the masses. If you are not an iTunes user, you can still listen and subscribe on Podbean at damngoodmoviememories.podbean.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook under our Damn Good Movie Memories page. You can also listen to a limited number of episodes on YouTube. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and be sure to tune in next week for an all new episode of Damn Good Movie Memories.